everybody. Welcome to the Family Jewels True Crime Podcast. My name is Brian Subaliski, and I am your host. Welcome to episode 16, Saint Anger. I have a couple things for you. I have uh, some comedy that I did uh, recently with a little bit of new material or a different way that I present that particular part of my story. And it honestly feels at this point that everything's kind of coming together in terms of, hey, can I get up and point the material in a direction that will please this crowd? And hats off to Doghouse for providing me the stage to do that over the past months, almost. Jeez, it's going to be close close to a year. It's been a while since I've had a regular open spot at that place that comedians would... I don't know what a comedian would do for that. I know what I would have done for that if I were in the pursuit of an audience that were gold in terms of, hey, does this stuff work? That's why I keep playing stuff for you over and over again so you can get a a determination of, is the stuff maturing? Is it getting better? Am I able... And there were seven people in the audience that you're about to hear. (laughs) And and Fridays are tough. I mean, you know, when you're on a holiday weekend and and Florida has, has... dropped greatly in in population it doesn't seem that way but in terms of people that are running out to enjoy local comedy uh you know it was it was a tough night but i gotta still say seven people in the audience are still seven people that came out and paid with the expectation of laughing so they're the best audience in the world as opposed to other places you could you could explore or or practice material that may not have that same payoff. Today's episode is about, <laughs> I called it Saint Anger, because um, it, is a, it is a varied emotion. It is, it, in, and in a lot of circles, I've heard multiple times from multiple people that I have learned from in psychology over the years that anger isn't really even an emotion and we're going to talk about um, Bob's attitude towards anger and Bob's um, beliefs about it because it was absolutely commensurate with the idea that this is not necessarily an emotion as much as it is an emotional drive to survive. And I think that's what's really, really important about this episode. Uh, like I said, I had some comedy and I also have a little kind of a clip of me and Alex kind of just shooting the shit on Sunday toying with the idea of having multiple hosts throughout season four maybe one host maybe just two hosts one for you know half and the other half I I would like at this point to go back to season one and to have somebody else listen to it, dissect it, come up with questions and then, you know, come back to me and, and we retell it and talk about it more with clips from it. And, and almost like, you know, that obnoxious AMC show that started with Breaking Bad and then a better call saw the guy. I don't I forget the guy's name, but he started an MTV and he's doing these wrap up shows where you sit and you just talk and talk and talk obsessively about what you just watched when, you know, you should probably read a book. Um, that being said, uh, that that is I'm going to play a little bit of that because it, there's just such a cool banter between Alex and I and and uh, 
just gonna, just going to give you a little piece of what that might be like. Not that Alex will be the host or anybody, you know, I have a couple people in mind and I got some people sort of re-listening to season one and hopefully I'll be able to present that to you here because Anchor makes that pretty easy to do. But as we move forward with this topic, if anger isn't really um, an emotion as much as it's an, an evolutionary response to survive, I'm going to take it one step further and say that Bob used to say to me, and this is something I still believe, is that anger is a non-optional response to pain, real or imagined. As most feelings are, which is why I don't know that you can classify, you can just say, hey, anger is not an emotion because, you know, motion, most emotions are non-optional. And we spend lives, our lives as human beings trying to understand the emotions that we have, or we are numb to them. We don't think about them. They don't affect us. And, you know, there are some people that end up on the scale of socio or psychopathic meaning that they do not... They do not have that. They do not feel the guilt. They do not feel remorse. They do not feel happiness. They do not feel sadness. You know, we focus so much on, on the psycho and sociopathic as being heartless when it comes to inflicting pain and yada, yada, yada. But at the same time, imagine what it's like to just feel nothing all the time. That nothing affects you on an emotional level the same way it does regular people. And I think that is a common thread throughout this podcast on all of our levels. Me, Kev, Dad. I mean, Dad just didn't seem affected by regular emotions, by regular things going on. I don't remember him being out of any type of sorts when his dad died. But I was so young, man, and I don't know, maybe Dad lost his shit because he wasn't around all that much, but Dad kept his composure throughout his entire life in front of us, regardless of whether we were robbing stores or... Like, my dad did not get angry. So there's the exception to the rule, man. If anger is a non-optional response to pain, real or imagined... We'll get into that in a second a little bit more and dissect that because that's a mouthful. But I don't think my dad experienced but I've never I've I've seen my dad raid and raged and but that was only when I was a young kid, really, really young. The the strongest memories that I have are of dad being rip shit. Like Kev used to get rip shit, but then dad just stopped it. I never saw it again. Kevin and I never saw it again. Even robbing stores. Calm, cool, collected. It was a purpose. It was a computer. Cause effect. And dad was a science guy, man. Went to school of technology. He was a science person. But at the same time, strong emotions are undeniable. He was married, which means he, he fell in love. He did things commensurate with normalcy. But Kevin and I never really saw anger. Dad managed. Dad managed any anxiety he had by building shit. And that's the one thing that's missing, was missing from me and Kev. We didn't have a place to channel that. But it's safe to say that I was plagued. Plagued by anger my entire life and still am. I wish, you know, I'm not going to tell you now that I'm free of it. 
But Bob said so many things about anger, and one of them was, anger is an unoptional response to pain, real or imagined. I encourage you to ask yourself, if you are angry, why you are hurt, because anger is a non-optional response to the perception of hurt or actual hurt. Somebody's walking down the street, you know they're going to punch you, you got to get angry to either avoid, you, you know, anger is a fight or flight automatic central nervous system response. Because we're, dest- we're, we're, we're tailor-made by evolution to avoid pain. But take that to the psychological. Take that to every relationship you've ever had. Take that to every um, girlfriend that you ever had and things that pissed you off about her, that irrationality that, that seemed to stem from, you know, anger or jealousy, but that all has a tie to feeling weak. And the weaker they are, the angrier they are. And that was absolutely positively true for me walking into adult, well, just teenage, like teenagers where, where that shit starts, where, where you start to, it's a power struggle. First 13 years of a kid's life, let's say, they are under the absolute, absolute control of their parents. Whatever those parents do, man, that kid has to obey. And then when you turn 13 and your balls drop and whatever else happens to females, I still don't know. Um, you start to to be able to get a little bit of that power. Hey, no, I can I can say fuck you, and I and you can, you know that most tumultuous times that parents have with their kids is thirteen to eighteen. Eighteen looms, and you can boot them the fuck out. So, and then you know once they reach their twenties and they get a dose of life, you know they come right back. Or, you know, maybe you lose them because they're that much more angry. But it, it was all true for me. And and I'm talking about being in that 20 to 25 Robin stores, 25 to 29, locked up tight in a state prison. Before I went in, I remember being at an AA meeting. Before I, I got locked up, with my buddy Jeremy. And... Uh, I chaired the meeting, like I spoke during the meeting, and I was always a very eloquent speaker. Back then, I don't know what the hell I said, but... Somebody went up to Jeremy and said, dude, that is the angriest person I've ever seen in my life. And it was true, man. I was oozing it. That was before I went in. And then I went in. So when I came out, I was an absolute ripshit, crazy maniac. I was just, like... (laughs) Anger basically sat on the throne and dictated everything. It wasn't even a non-optional response to pain. It was just, nope, we're going to be pissed about it. I don't care what it is. Overblown. And, And that was what Bob taught me the most. Bob taught me the most is to say, hey, is the level of emotion that you're feeling in that moment, in that moment when that girl's breaking up with you, in that moment when, you know, you feel uh, provoked, is the level of anger that you present commensurate with what the situation calls for. And in most situations, that answer would be no for a lot of people. I hate making general, general, I hate making, (laughs) wow, I can't even talk. I don't want to apply all things to all people, but it is a way that it helped, it helped me 
say, hey, uh, you know, I'm in traffic right now and uh, I could either contribute to this or just chill and wait like everybody else. But, you know, I'm that dick in the breakdown lane, swerving. <laughs> uh, not anymore, but, but back then, man, boy, uh, you know, roid rage and road rage and all kinds of rage <laughs> pulsed through me. And, and those of you that know me back then knew I was no fun to be around. If it wasn't for working out, if it wasn't trying to, you know, alleviate that or express that somewhere else, uh, I would have a very difficult time. And that's why I did so much martial arts, because it was a way to get beat and beat and, and work that stuff out. But I mean, sometimes there's a certain level of anger that requires physical expression. That's what it was designed for. It was, it was designed by evolution. We're not talking about the little time. They say if you, if you took humanity and measured it by the Empire State Building. Our time on this planet, meaning talking, walking, intellectual, would only fill the last half an inch of the top needle of that building. Half an inch. The entire time that we've been here on this planet. Commensure it to how long evolution has been developing us. Is that little postage stamp size point on the end of the Empire State Building and the rest of that building is what has designed us. And anger was paramount in getting us to where we are. But now, it just fucks my life up. And I get angry. And I'm typically one of those people that turn it inward. And because I, my house would never a safe place to express anger. There's this cute fucking video of Prince whoever flipping off prin Princess whoever in Britain and all that's just nonsense. I hate it, but it's gone viral and I've seen it and the kid's like being a little dick and that's a kid that's, that is expressing his anger in a place where he knows it's the most appropriate, but it is the, it is the healthiest expression for him because it's, that's a potential buildup letting itself loose. Or the kid's just a dick. Either way, man, I'm always on the lookout, always on the lookout for my anger. And when you're just in a constant state of hurt, when you're always in a constant state of fight or flight, when you're always dealing with trauma, it's very difficult to find the other side of what that central nervous system is designed to do, which is to, to plant and thrive, not fight or fly. And so many, so much of my life, my central nervous system has just been in survival mode. And it's, you know, at this point, I'm at a, a crossroads where I really need to find how, how to let that shit go. I need to figure out what, what makes me happy. And I need to figure out a better expression of anger that still hasn't come up yet. You know, when, when you get whacked. <laughs> the pain takes over first you know and there's the, those five stages of, of death and, and dying or grieving Kubler-Ross yeah yeah we've all heard it but anger's a huge point of that and, and I've seen it in me I've felt it over dad and Kev and, and, and need to continue to feel it but my point to you guys is to My mantra is, if I'm pissed, why right now am I hurt? And figure out what it is specifically and, and you know, respect it. And that's my gig. 
So St. Anger, you know, also comes with some awesome news. You know, things are still moving forward. Like I reported in the last episode in Unencumbered, uh, more conversations have ensued and yay, we're moving forward. And I'm still super psyched and I'm still like nervous and I'm still apprehensive and I'm still hoping. But everything is pointing into some good things happening, which is the universe's way of letting me know that the entire time I sat and wrote the book and did this podcast and have always sort of in the back of my mind said there's somebody out there that will eventually listen to this, that will eventually read that and say, hey, this has to be told. That belief was always there. I always knew because and I, did, I had that belief based on what every person that's ever heard my story said. But that's not how the universe works in my opinion. The universe says, hey, this is the absolute worst time in the world for you to deal with this amazing thing. But there you go. Right in the middle of your plate. It is the only thing that could have come along to, to balance the other side. The only thing. And there it is. The universe corrected it. Potentially. So stay tuned. Things, things, are, things are happening. I, I still want to be able to present you with some new formats. And some, so things will be very exciting moving forward. Same story, different perspectives. Get some people in here. Maybe to tell their own stories about bending the law. Ooh, that could be fun. And I've always talked about that and we'll continue. So thank you so much for listening to St. Anger, guys. Uh, take care of yourselves. I'll talk to you next week. We are trying what it is like for Bri to talk to another human being. So guys, please keep in mind that this is not a sock puppet. Hey, that was not me. Nope, it's me. Okay. Um, is this how you normally... No... No, I'm usually under a couple of blankets. Why don't we just recreate that? No, because I'm not getting under a couple of blankets with no, you. No, I'd feel so much closer to you. I wouldn't. Uh, well, I would with you, and I wouldn't like it. So you're saying yes. My body says yes. <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> so we're sitting here and we're having trying, a couple beers, having a couple beers, watching the, a movie, put what, it on pause, and we, here we are. We put a movie on pause. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, you, uh, we have been watching movies that might be comparable to anything you might see uh, turn into uh, Family Jewels something. So say there was a Family Jewels. Go ahead, fill the blank. Cartoon strip. Oh, like a media, like a, a form of uh, well, media that you know, uh, newspaper is a form of media. So let's just say there was like a Calvin and Hobbes, but it was a family in jewels. Well, not like okay, not like a family. We'll call in it balls. like call it family jewels, like Fam similar okay. to Family Circus. It's just the title. Right. Oh, there you go. Not... There you go. So Family <laughs> Circus, like you got. And mother... had it be one, one still, <laughs> of a different jewelry store being oh robbed. Oh, I could go. I could go for seventy-five years. <laughs> Easily, I could do that. I could do that. You'd get syndication. Okay, so what's what's okay? The first robbery was dad. And the he, first two, right? No, just the first one. 
the first one he went into a mall and dressed as a security guard. Now, let's just break that down. Is, when, is like how do you dress? Like where would you go, Alex, mm-hmm. if you were given the task to dress to show up to a job dressed like a security guard? What would I do? Well, where would you find the clothing to do that? Because that's what my dad did. Costume shop. So you're you're living at your parents' house at 20. Your dad comes home and says, hey, Alex, i got to ask you a question. Mm-hmm. I can't pay the mortgage anymore, and uh, whatever your life was prior to this, it's over. you got to go get a full-time job, maybe two, to help me continue to pay for the lifestyle that you've had up to this point. Unless you would be interested in helping me take down the person that put me in this position. That's your dad. So made it personal. Like it's very personal. Oh like someone slighted me. We <laughs> need to the rise up. S- the same way that I put it to you. Your lifestyle mm-hmm. as you know it right now. All of ours. Because you know a lot it, it, in my generation. The father was the pinnacle. Either he paid mm. attention to and paid his alimony and life support. Life support. Child support. <laughs> I called it life support. Um, yeah, yeah. Or, or you were like, oh my God, I don't have a dad. and My mother's struggling. She's going to go to work. And that wasn't the case. My dad mm. always paid the bill. Gotcha. Dad always paid it. Whether or not my mother did what she was supposed to do with that money is beside the point. Yeah. But you would grow accustomed to a certain lifestyle. Sure. And your dad comes home and says, hey, that's over. Unless mm-hmm. you help me. Yeah. My family is tight like that. Okay, so he presents you with the situation where, uh, hey, you got to go rob a person. Mm-hmm. Take that and go through the, just go through the conversation. Dad comes over and says, hey, your life as you know it is over unless you stand behind the garage of another man you've never met before. And when he comes home, run out, beat the shit out of him, take his case so that we can continue our lifestyle or we're done. Okay, but why do I have to beat the shit out of him? Because people don't tend to give you their case full of very expensive shit that you just stole from two other people or more. Mm-hmm. Without a fight. Good point. Thank you. Proceed. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I definitely would need a beer in that moment. Okay, so you're laying That's there. just unfathomable. What kind of nightlight? What kind of nightlight did you have? Was it fishes on the ceiling or stars or like I what, remember a Was uh, it little nuclear missiles cuz you're North one, Korean? Like a Disney baby one. Like the fucking <laughs> 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 The way you sneak it in is so masterful. <laughs> <laughs> and Donald Duck is fucking shaking his naked ass across why yeah, did, yeah, yeah. Why did Mickey wear a bottom and no top and Donald wear a top and no bottom? That's a great question. Isn't it? Did I'm they sure there's an answer. an outfit? Maybe. It's possible. 
there might be like fan art out there that depicts that. <laughs> well, I think it's maybe because ducks' private parts are in a in a different place than the mouse's. Yeah, it's like okay. Well, they were like, "Hey, I need to cover this," and Donald was like, "Go fuck yourself," because he was always so mad. <laughs> he was very angry. <laughs> he was like, Just back give in the me day. the top part. Yeah. I don't care if my dick is showing. <laughs> All right, so your dad comes home. <laughs> Will you rob a jewelry store somewhere? Mm-hmm. Given the same circumstances. It's like, okay. Uh, all right, what, do I have to use a bat or something? Like, what am I doing to this guy? See that that's what's amazing to me because I didn't even get to that point. I didn't I didn't ask a follow-up question. You I just went yes I and just, you yep. left in that moment yep. and went. No, no. Like no, no, that's no. what I'm asking. No. Like dude, you had there was conversations. <laughs> he came home with Kev, so I knew that the plan was to do this with just him and Kev, which, you know, brings back other shit for me and dad and Kev and being in the middle of their bond and blah blah blah. Okay. <laughs> that being said, they come home and they were like, Bri, because Kev was the one ultimately that said, I can't do this without Bri. Oh. So originally Kev went behind that fucking um, garage and waited in the cold behind this guy's house. And, and Oh, but he already had violent tendencies anyway. Kev. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, and my dad and so was, that's why it made more sense. was so freaked out that his violent tendencies caused his blood sugar to drop. Mm-hmm. And when he ran out to go beat the fuck out of this guy, his blood sugar might drop. Yeah. So somebody needed to referee that. And the weird part about this is we tried so hard to keep my dad, his face, his name, anything about him out of this. Mm. Which was so surprising to find out later on that he had pulled robberies by himself. So my only chance for cocaine left like an hour ago because of Casey. (laughs) My next best chance is you, ma'am. And you're already dealing with a boyfriend that has a collared sweater on, so your plate is full. I'm 52 fucking years old, and I'm with you guys. Like, one of you just heard there was one one more comedian, and you stretched a little bit. <laughs> like, you're like, oh, fuck, there's another guy going. All right, I can do this. And, and... So, you guys heard that I was the next con. <laughs> I'm going to show you how we deal. <laughs> with motherfuckers in the... <laughs> And this is what I love about you four. God, where are you guys from? Here. No. No, because you guys pulled up in a Volvo. <laughs> and there was inclement weather. And none of them were prepared for it, so they pressed some button on the Volvo. And the back opened up with a tire. Like, oh, the Volvo was like, it's raining, you need this. One of you have a poncho, right? Stand up here, poncho. One of them just googled what poncho means. It's Mexican for a fucking raincoat, guys. Figure it out. <laughs> but yes, uh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna go quick because I know you guys are tired, right? You guys. No. Has, 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 has any of you taken your meds yet? No. No. All right. So you're good. No. 
Do you have any meds you would share? <laughs> now, this is how I find it. So I'm an ex-convict, it is true. Uh, I used to rob jewelry stores. Anyone else? Woo! Never. Never. <laughs> she's thinking about it because she's not sure. I robbed jewelry stores with my father and my brother. And I gotta tell you something, if you've never done it, <laughs> do it. <laughs> I'm serious, because like your whole life, you're, you've grown up, and if you're like, anyone an only child here? Ah, see, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the one dressed in all black. <laughs> Um, for those of you that have siblings, you know that it's always been like this. Does dad love me as much as this one? It, it, maybe it wasn't for you. Um, that's why I cut myself. <laughs> but when I, when I played in Arm Robbery with my family, I was absolutely sure how, I, how important I was to the unit. Okay, so my dad was a mastermind. He was brilliant, an absolute genius, like kind of Rain Man quality. Went to Wentworth School of Technology, graduated with honors. Fucked up kind of intelligence. He was the mastermind. We were in and out of stores in 90 seconds or less. My brother was 260 pounds, all roided out. He was the muscle. I'm 150 pounds, 5'9". I was the lookout. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's... Like, like, it was after my dad played everything on the head, everything in place, and they turned around, turned around and they were like, oh, he's still here. <laughs> well, what can he do? He's got eyes. He could look out. Guys, being the lookout's the best job in the world again if you're ever in a situation like that. Because if the shit hits the fan, you could leave. <laughs> like, <laughs> And you can wait a couple minutes and watch it unfold before you're like, yeah, now's the time I should probably go. <laughs> You'd be like, yeah, that's my dad in cuffs. That's it, I gotta go. <laughs> but we were all caught and we all did prison time. And my dad did uh, 10 years. Uh, my brother did eight. And I did three. Because I was a lookout. <laughs> Seriously, it's <laughs> a job you want to have. Because even during sentencing, the judge was like, okay, Brian, he was the lookout. That's a crime? <laughs> That's a crime. Okay, yeah, all right, no, no, no. Send, send him how much time? 200, yeah, okay, give him, give him three years. So I did like just under three. And I gotta tell you, it's absolutely horrifying to be in a Massachusetts state prison only doing just under three. <laughs> it's like, just the tip, guys. Just the tip. I just, no, I can't take the whole thing. Because, like, you'll stand in front of a guy that's doing quadruple life. Meaning, if there's reincarnation, he's fucked. <laughs> like, that's it for him. And the first thing that you talk about with another inmate is what you did. So he's like, what'd you do? I said, oh, I robbed jewelry shows with my father and brother, and I got just under three. He's like, oh, well, I'm not going home ever. I'm like, what did you do? He says, I killed four people with a shotgun. <laughs> I'm like, wow, what did they do? He's like, they died. <laughs> That's my dad's gonna say. He's so much.